who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Some of you may think a podcast about representation, it's not for me. But if you're a human being, then the podcast Reppin is for you because we all represent something as people. So are you interested in knowing what you have in common with your favorite actors to best-selling authors and leaders in different genres? On Reppin, you'll meet notable people you think you know, You'll see what they show up for, and you'll see what they represent. It's an insightful, feel-good show, hosted by me, Evelyn. So come and take a listen. Reppin is available wherever you get your podcasts. It should have been a queer story. I mean, it's about right. how they were really actually friends, but why not lovers? Mm-hmm. It would have made so much sense I if think, it was like, oh, yeah, I think you're giving away free ideas right now for the next big musical. Like the next big like fun home type of like musical phenomena will be like the queer retelling of Wicked, which is a retelling of, you know, I would love to see a queer retelling of literally just every single story ever. So I think this is, I think you're onto something with that. I think I am onto something. (laughs) Somebody give me money to develop this. Yeah. (laughs) I'm diking out, you're diking out. Let's dike out together. See what it's all about. Hi and welcome to Diking Out, a podcast hosted by two gay ladies, but only one of them wants Rachel Weiss to punch them in the face. It's not <laughs> Carolyn Bergier. It's me, Sarah York. And today we're diking out with Jess Gilbo, who you've seen on season three of the new Queer Eye in what is 100% objectively the best episode of Queer Eye, at least of the ones we've seen. And we're going to be talking about intersecting identities. But before we get to Jess, we have a couple quick announcements. Our next show at Stonewall is April 29th at uh, 7.30 p.m. Show starts at 8, but doors are at 7.30, so get there and and have a seat. Um, There is a two-drink minimum, which I will mention because uh, my friends last time said there were people arguing the entire time about the two-drink minimum in front of them. I, I have heard it on that the flyers. Well. Yeah. 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 So I think the staff there is pretty serious about the two drink minimum. Yeah. It's, I mean, I get it. That's it's how they the stone. Money. Yeah. It's the yeah. Stonewall policy to do a show. At but Stonewall, you don't necessarily have, have to, to have alcohol. If you no, don't no, want no. to, you can get like a $4 you know, soda or, or something. Yeah. Which $4 for soda in New York is actually a great, I've been to places that will charge you $8 oh, absolutely. for a for soda like for a two drink minimum. Yeah. 
So it's a steal. Uh, it's a great lineup. We have Sir Baby Girl performing. Uh, she's going to come with her electric guitar and jam out for I a little for solo sesh. I'm so excited. She's yeah. crazy. She's great. Um, and then June 23rd, we have our show at Caveat, which is going to be a live recording of the podcast. It's going to be very special here in New York for Pride. It's going to be World Pride. It's the 50th anniversary of Stonewall. And we have... As of now, our guest, Rosie O'Donnell, uh, for just an update for you guys who have been following this. And thank you. We saw all of you liking the tweets mm-hmm. on Twitter. Uh, we are in touch with her assistant. It is on Rosie's calendar. We're just waiting for this extra confirmation that her filming schedule will not uh, interfere interfere yeah. with the recording. But it's Fingers so close. crossed. Yeah, fingers <laughs> crossed. Uh, you know, do some extra scissoring and... <laughs> Pray to the the lesbian gods for us. Please do. (laughs) Uh, We're so close to having that confirmed. And then we're going to go all in on preparing for that episode, which is going to be a special episode uh, of the podcast, which we will release. um, But also being there live, you're going to get to experience the the whole, all all the beauty Mm -hmm. of what's going to unfold in that. Um, other stuff that's going on. Well, I guess by the time we release this episode, uh, because we're recording this one a little bit early too, I will have gone to Clexicon, which mm-hmm. uh, I haven't talked about yet. We've been recording episodes very early because of our travel schedules. And through the uh, the gay gods of Twitter, I was able just to be on Twitter at the same time that somebody was like, I can no longer use my Clexicon pass. Yep, and we just give it away, and I snagged that up. Uh, Things just happen in that way. It's amazing. It's not even that I really wanted to go again this year. If I had, I would have planned better. Like I said, we were going to do and have both of us go. And I was like, maybe I'll give it a year off. You know, I did it last year. I saw what it was about. It was fun, but like, do I need to go to Vegas twice in one year? Does anyone need to go to Vegas twice in one year? No. No, right. And I hadn't been like spending a lot of time on Twitter or anything. So the fact yeah, that, that like, like? <laughs> right, <laughs> that I'm like on Twitter and in my feed, it's just like, boom, right there, Clexicon. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I guess I have to go now. Yeah, that, yeah, that was a sign. Yeah. That'll so, be fun. It's going to be fun. We're staying uh, not at the hotel where uh, Clexicon's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, we're staying at a different hotel that has a lazy river, which is That's very important. That's all you need is a lazy river. Yeah. That's just like, what a siren call for lesbians. Right. I'm give very confused a, why it's not there. Give me a body of water that is gently moving. Yeah. And I'm on it. Yes. <laughs> I, I don't want any, wait. I don't want any, any tumultuous no water. No rapids. I don't want rapids. I don't want waves. I don't want, you know, I pressure don't want to do laps. Pressure. Yeah. I don't want to exercise in any way. I want to be passively, safely, gently transported by water. And that's a lazy river. Though I do think lesbians might enjoy doing laps. Probably, yeah. Some of them do. I'm not a lap lesbian. You know, I'm just not into physical activity. I'll say it. I don't work out. I think it sucks. <laughs> it sucks and I don't want to do it. There have been times where I've gone in a hotel pool and have done a few laps. Yeah. And I'm like, it's like me and some other guy with questionable body hair. Right. Just it's like, you and like the oldest person in the hotel. Yeah. Because old people love to do laps. Yeah. Because it keeps them healthy. Right. Maybe when I'm older and I have to do laps as a result of a lifetime of not working out. It's good on the joints. Yeah, it is. It is. I, I, went just, to, I don't know. I just don't like to. I don't, I'm also not a great swimmer. I have sort of a weird. Um, 
I can I can swim, I guess. Yeah. If that if if the motions that my body is doing in water could be considered swimming, I suppose then yes, I can swim. Yeah. But the the things that I'm doing in water are not what anyone else would look. I I, I know I don't look good. I know I look like I'm struggling yeah. because I am. <laughs> so it's just not like even swimming laps. I'd be extremely aware of what my body's doing and how I must look. Yeah. And it's not great. So I just can't do it. You would have liked the pool at the place I stayed at, stayed at in Orlando recently. So I went to, to Disney with my sister because uh, she loves Disney. Mm-hmm. And being a gay aunt and all, you just got to You got to do it. You got to help it's out. part of the duties. And it was one of those uh, rental homes in Orlando, which they have like maybe, I don't know, like 500 million of them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And it has like this tiny, like the tiniest pool imaginable, but Uh just for the sake of being like, it has a pool. It's like, this is a big, big bathtub. Yeah. Like I couldn't even swim laps in it. (laughs) I I didn't know what to do. I'm like, I guess I'm just standing in this pool. That's all I know how to do in a pool. I'm not even sure if I'm standing right when Mm. I'm in a pool. It's been so long since I've actually been in one and I'm going to California in like a few weeks and there's a pool there and I'm already self-conscious because like... We talked about in the episode with Robbie Hoffman, uh, we talked at length about s- swimwear and how there aren't, there is none for us. Like yeah. I just, I get so anxious about it and people and, you, and listeners who have been sending me DMs about it, that's very sweet. A lot of people have been sending me things like, um, you know, like the websites for certain re- retailers yeah. that make sort of like gender neutral kind of stuff. But those are, they're mostly wetsuits. Yeah. <laughs> like they're the kind, like literally they're zip up wetsuits and I don't, yeah. I don't necessarily need that. But I'm like, my brain is like, I'm going nuts right now thinking about the fact that I have to go get a swimsuit. Yeah. And then once I have it and I get in a pool of water, then I, I, do, I don't know what to do but just stand there. Yeah. It, I don't enjoy it. I like to yeah. be next to, I like to be pool adjacent. Yeah. But being actually inside one makes me feel strange because I don't know exactly what you're supposed to do. I'm not going to swim in it. I like the, the ones, the pools that have like the chairs in the pool. Oh, that's l- cool. Like the loungers. Because then you get to sit on the and side, be in the water. Because the water, water does, it feels you. good. It's refreshing. Yeah. It's like nice to be in a pool. Yeah. But like, what do you do in one? Or you need to float. Bring a float with you on the trip. Because anytime I go uh, to a pool and there's no. no float. I look so, but then I'm, what do I do on the float? I'm just laying there. Well, you can get one that's like a chair with a cup holder. True. Yeah, I could do that. And you like, just like, kick <laughs> yourself around. <laughs> like what they put babies in. They yeah. put babies in ones that you sit inside. Yeah. And you just flop around. That's what I need. I just need an adult size one of those. When Cecilia and I were in Punta Cana, this is so gay, we took turns. <laughs> they had this like really long swimming pool at the resort. It was base. it was like a wide, lazy river. Uh, uh, it was just a, a very long, never ending pool that wound around the resort. And then they had these float things. And then I sat in one and then she would push me the Aww. whole, the whole length while I sat there with my drink. Cause they had cup holders and yep. a bar in the pool. It's got to be, has to have a cup holder. And then we would trade and then I would push her. That's adorable. Back. Yeah. God, you guys are so cute. We are. Yeah. It's like, it, but then like, so you're sitting on it. I don't know. I just feel like if I'm on a float, then, then I feel like I'm on display and I don't want that. Yeah. I'm already in, I'm rarely, I'm so rarely insecure, but swimwear brings it all out. It does attract attention being on the float. We had. It's too much for me. A I lot can't. of people commenting on us from the sidelines. Really? Well, just like, oh, uh, you have a good deal there, like to whoever was oh, in the chair. Yeah. Like the dad joke kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, a lot of dad jokes, just like a firing squad of dad jokes <laughs> as we went down the pool. That's my worst 
absolute worst case scenario in my mind is a firing yeah. squad of dad jokes from strangers as yeah. I'm on a float in, a in swimwear. Yep. It's the worst. Yep. <laughs> Especially when they've had a couple drinks in them. Yeah. All right, so now it's time for us to dike out with our guest for today. We're so excited to have her here. Uh, Jess Gilbo, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. <laughs> We're so happy to have you. So uh, as we mentioned earlier, and a lot of our viewers know, you were on uh, the most recent season of Queer Eye. And man, what a great episode. And we're so curious to hear a little bit more about your experience and like how has life been different, I guess, mm-hmm. since recording that episode and, and now? Well, um, since filming, uh, it was all the changes were kind of with me. So like basically um, I, I started like taking care of myself, um, which was a weird concept for me at the time. Um, but I, I literally, you know, I, my like getting ready regimen went from like 10 minutes to like 45, which sounds super dramatic, but like, I don't know. I started to really appreciate like, um, dedicating that time every morning to myself. Um, and I started like just, you know, indulging in self-care and, um, I had like a, a daily affirmation, um, that I would say every morning, um, and like just those little things really boosted my confidence and like, um, my self-worth and, and all that stuff. And so it started reflecting in like my clothing and then it started reflecting in like what I put in my body in terms of food. Um, and, and that confidence led to kind of, it, I mean, it definitely wasn't like an immediate thing. Uh, but yeah. then afterwards I was like, cool, cute. Um, this is great. And then the show came out and then everyone was like, wow, like you're, um, still doing really good and blah, blah, blah. And I think it was just meant to be. And I, 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 I don't know. My life has changed a lot since the show came out. Um, but in yeah. terms of with me since filming from filming to when the show was out, which is like seven months or so, um, it was, it was all with me and there was definitely some, some huge changes. Yeah. Cause you always wonder about that, especially with like a reality show of like, you know, um, when, when it's being produced, of course they edit it together and it looks totally seamless, but at the same time they're making a TV show. So you wonder like, yes, they make it look like so emotional and impactful, but really does it, does it make a change and does it make a lasting change? So that's really cool to hear that it did. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and also (laughs) that it wasn't like hard for them to get moments of me crying. I was crying the whole week. So they, <laughs> they had a lot you? to choose from. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was, was crying the entire time watching it. And then I watched it again. And then I cried more. <laughs> I cried even more the second time. I was like, why am I crying more? I already know what happens. <laughs> well, how, how did your roommates react? I mean, watching it too, I was like, well, they get a sweet deal. It's a new living room. <laughs> yeah. Um, they they loved it. I mean, our so they were really cool and I'm really grateful for them because um when we moved into this house, uh they, you know, all of the furniture was theirs. I didn't have anything. Like what you saw in my room, that was all I had. Those were my possessions. Um I didn't have any furniture or a bed obviously or anything like that. Um and so when the show came through, they, you know, were like we're here for you and we want you to do this like 
it's fine. Like, we don't need the dumpster couch anymore. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they they yeah. allowed, my, like, it to become kind of, like, surround, like filled with my things. And, um, and so they were really excited about it. Um, and they were just really happy for me uh, more than anything. So... Well, they're lucky that you have good taste. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Also, that's that's like a really cool part is that like um, while Bobby did take he took the reins on a lot of things. He also like I gave him a lot of input in terms of like um, what I liked. And I literally picked out all the furniture with, <laughs> with him in that store. So it was just like really cool. That's awesome. That it was all me. Yeah. What, uh, what just a real quick. What part of Kansas City do you live in? Um, I'm actually 45 minutes outside of Kansas City. Oh, in you're in Lawrence. Lawrence. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm actually, so I'm, uh, I lived in KC for like five years. Um, oh, like what part am I from? Uh, KCK, Wyandotte. Okay. Right on. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's awesome. My, uh, younger sister goes to KU, so I'm, I'm familiar with Lawrence. Um, right. that's awesome. Yeah. I went yeah. to a smaller school in Northwest Missouri, so I'm like very familiar with the whole like Kansas, Missouri area and I think that's really cool that they filmed there I was like geeking out pretty hard about that in general yes (laughs) and they make the city look so well like I'm just like so happy like they made Casey look so pretty and beautiful we're often so overlooked you know in the midwest like from like television and movies and it's just like it's really really cool I'm so happy that they did that yeah um and I I they loved Casey so like it wasn't hard. Like they were, you know, genuinely the crew and and the guys. They all loved Casey. So great. Yeah, it definitely looked cool. I mean, I've never been, but I was like, oh, this mm-hmm. seems like a cool place to visit. Um, one thing I want to ask about, and you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, <laughs> but has the show affected your dating life at all? Because like you know, you they strut you out there in that suit, and I'm like, oh man, she's gonna get all those swipes on Tinder. <laughs> um. <laughs> Um, I actually, so for, um, like all the way up until earlier this week, I actually deleted my tender. Cause I was like, mm, I don't know how I feel about this. Let me think about it. And then yeah. I redownloaded. Um, and it's been the same so far. Like I'm still very single. Um, there have been a lot of people like who sent me like Instagram and Twitter DMs that are like, please step on me. I don't know if that's the same thing. What? But- <laughs> Okay, people wait. are out of control on social media. <laughs> oh my god! This is what I've been talking about. I feel like everybody's reaction lately to finding someone of the same sex attractive is wanting that person to physically harm them, and it's I very bizarre. And, and it's a weird way to express that. And some people are like, "Oh, that just means that's a polite way of saying they're into BDSM." I'm like, I don't know. I feel like it's just a weird way to express no, that they're it's attracted. Like a yeah. Thing. yeah, it's like a yeah. trend yeah. thing. It's more of like a, I think it's more of like a figure of speech thing now, right? Like it's, they yeah. don't literally mean that. Maybe, right. maybe they do, but it concerns me. And everyone on Twitter is like, Carolyn, mind your own business. But I'm like, this sounds like these people don't value their face if they want it so much. Yeah. Literally, like I put this picture on Instagram because I uh, dyed my hair blue temporarily. And literally nice. like one of the um, comments said, if you were to punch me, I would literally say thank you. And I was like, okay. Wow. <laughs> Well, now you're famous. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> that's how you know. That is how you know. When people, people are... start asking you uh, to step on them, that's how you know yes, you've made it, it. that's precisely what that is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Great. 
<laughs> oh man, that's awesome. Um, how how familiar were you with the show before your friend nominated you for it? Oh, I had seen the show definitely. Um, I okay, I had seen seasons one and two. It had been a while since I see season one, but I like literally just watched season two, um, probably for like the third or fourth time. So I was very aware. Um, okay, and yeah, and like even then, like knowing about the show, I still didn't think I like. It took me months after like you know, going through the process and talking to the producers and everything to actually like say yes to doing it. Cause I really wasn't going to. Oh, what, what was making, was it just like having your story be out there and being so public? Right. I mean, yeah. I, I, as you saw through the show, like being vulnerable, maybe not, but, um, there was like some things that weren't shown, whatever, but like being vulnerable, um, and accepting help was not something that I was, I was very good at that I was used to doing. Mm -hmm. And so the idea of, of expressing that and being vulnerable on TV in front of the entire world, it just did not appeal to me. <laughs> so I was like, I don't know if this is something that I really want to do. Um, cause I don't, you know, this stuff is amazing, but I, I, I was just more so scared about that and overcoming that fear was, was, it took a little bit, but I did it. So <laughs> No, for sure. That was just, I, I don't know. It's so brave to open up like that and talk about like, yeah, all your vulnerabilities mm -hmm. and the things that you're insecure about and the, you know, past traumas and things like that to have that all out. I mean, I imagine it might be therapeutic in one sense, but like that's a really extreme to, to go from like having that be stuff that you carry alone to sharing that, uh, for, yeah. with the world. But, um, I'm sure I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm sure you've probably been reached out to by people who really related to your story, um, and found yes. it to be inspirational because it was such an inspirational, uh, episode and so many, um, and, and I guess this can get us into our topic about intersecting identities, but because, you know, there are so many facets to your life that there was almost like something for everybody to relate to with your story. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Literally. Like, um, I thought that, you know, my, my story would resonate with like a certain kind of person, like a queer person or like a woman or, you know, a person of color. Um, but actually everyone, you know, in some way, shape or form was touched. Um, you know, like I read all the messages that I get, I can't respond. It's impossible. Um, but, uh, I definitely read most of them and like people start out being like, I'm, you know, not black or queer or whatever, but like I lost all of my family when I was at 16, um, due to health reasons, or I, I, um, you know, have trouble accepting help. And, you know, I, things like, like other things that, that, you know, were touched on in my episode, which is amazing. Cause that means it was like universal, um, which is kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. So in talking about intersecting identities, this was something that, that you had volunteered, uh, that you want to talk about and something that again was touched on in your episode, but tell us a little bit about why you wanted to talk about that today. Intersecting identities is something that like I have, I am still learning about and, and something that I think needs to be talked about a lot more because like, that's what makes our experience is different. That's what changes our life. That's like what shapes how, how we walk and, uh, through things and, and, and live through things like, you know, me, you know, when I was born, I, you know, my mom always used to tell me that I had like two strikes against me, um, 
technically three, but she told me two, um, which was like <laughs> one, you're, you're a woman and two, you're black. Um, and then three, the third one for me is being gay. Um, and so like, I just think that like m- talking about intersecting identities and recognizing them and acknowledging them and, and fleshing that idea out is, is super important um, for everyone's like self-growth and like understanding of the world. Yeah, I think that a lot of times, two people want to put us into boxes based on one of those identities without considering how the other ones come into play. And just beyond like sexuality um, and race and gender, also things like class can play into your identity right. as well. Right, exactly. Um, and it, it's interesting right now with like what I think we're, we're at 80 people running for the Democratic nomination. Yeah. Um, wow, it yeah. feels that way. <laughs> but, you know, when we talk about like like who you're drawn to or some people feel like even like, like in theory, like, yes, I would love to vote for like a woman of color, but then there's also a gay man running, but there's also, you know, somebody who really like started at the bottom and like, how do you, but then like this other person who I don't identify with at all has all the policies that work with me. And like, yeah, you know, it's just like so much more complicated than just like, Oh, I'm gay, I'm voting for the gay one, or I'm black, I'm voting for the black one. Right, right, exactly. Like, there's so many things that that uh, go into play with that. And uh, I I think that, like, super important to, yes, consider your identities, but also consider, like, someone's actual, like, political stance on the issues or, you know, classism does play into it or able-bodied people, um, things like that. Like, that is a, uh, it's very important. And also, like, it's just something that not a lot of people think about. And if they do think about it, they're like, oh, well, I mean, this identity plays more strongly or means more to me. So, like, that's the only one I'm going to pay attention to. But, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah there, there's a lot of uh, – there's a lot of focus on, like, identity politics uh, right now. And it gets kind of a a negative light. But at the same time, it's, like, until we stop being marginalized based on our identities, it's hard right. not to consider that yeah. as a factor. Like how would you not have politics around your identity when it shapes so much about the world, when it shapes so much about the world that we move through, you know, like I right. just, I don't, I kind of drives me nuts when people are like, when people say identity politics and that like sneering sort of same way that they talk about being politically correct. Oh well, yeah. yeah. You mm-hmm. should be, you should be mindful of what other people think and feel about the things that you say. Like, why is that a radical concept? Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's just when you have to like, people just don't like, I feel like people don't like expending energy considering someone else's perspective. Cause that means mm-hmm. that they have to remove themselves from theirs for a second. You know, um, yep. I, I, I always, and it's work. It's not like an automatic thing. Like, like you have to, put your, you have to take a step back. You're like, pause. Okay. Let me stop being me for a second. Let me be this other person and try to exist through them and try to like understand where they're coming from so that I can like better myself and adjust. Um, and so like change is already hard for people, let alone like putting themselves in someone else's position in order to change. Like that's, that's so much like, oh my goodness, that's radical right there. So like, I think Mm -hmm, that's why same with being politically correct. It's the same thing. Like literally no one wants to, to take themselves out of themselves for a second um, and, and consider their environment and, and who they're around and the words that they say and the impact that they might have. They don't do it. Yeah. And that it literally costs them nothing to be politically correct. Yeah. <laughs> right. 
It's free to not be an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. What a weird concept. Um, it's so funny because like, uh, I, one of the identities that like, I don't still don't think it's enough attention is like being cis, like identifying as like cisgender for me. Um, because like, that's not like necessarily like a marginalized identity by all, like at all. Um, and so like in my, all my bios, like my Instagram bio, my Twitter bio, um, I have like a pin on my bag that I carry around, like kind of like my purse, but it's like a small backpack. Um, but I have like a button that says like she, her and like my pronouns. And I always get asked, like, why do you do that? I'm like, because like it opens up the conversation for people who don't necessarily, you know, identify like who aren't cisgender. Like it opens up the, the conversation and allows people to feel welcome to like identify themselves if they want to. Um, yeah, it reminds them not to make assumptions. Yeah, -hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's the point. Like, it's like to start the discussion, like, oh, cool. You have your pronouns. And then like, like, these are mine. Like, if you feel comfortable, like, I would love to know yours so that we could like navigate a different conversation or otherwise I'm just going to call them like they, them, that's how you do it. Um, and cause I have like a lot of trans friends and I, I hate that I, it, I get irrationally angry. I'm still working on that, but I get irrationally angry when people assume, um, their pronouns can't stand yeah. it. Um, I don't think so it's irrational. I, I think it's. Like, I think I you're perfectly like within your rights to be angry about that. <laughs> yeah, and so like, if I can, as someone who identifies as cisgender, um, if I can uh, start that conversation without my trans friends having to extend any of their energy, then great, I will do that. Absolutely, that's no sweat for me. Good, good. You're so rad. Yeah, you are rad. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was watching the episode and I was like, man, this person. So rad. Yeah. I sound like an old gay aunt. I know. But we are definitely old gay aunts, both of us. But, but it, makes me, it makes me happy to think that there are people like you who are yeah. like mindful and proactively doing, doing the work so that, uh, you know, people who are more marginalized don't always have to do the labor for everyone, even though, uh, you know, with, with all your intersecting identities, uh, again, making assumptions on your part, but that you've had to do a lot of emotional labor for a lot of people. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, I, so yeah, obviously like, um, I grew up in an area around like all white people. Right. So like explaining my perspective and, and life and like my hair and things like that, um, to my friends was like natural to me. I thought that was like, okay, but it was like, literally like I, um, learned recently that it's not my responsibility to explain my, my perspective, you know, Mm -hmm. as a black woman, if I do it, that's something that I choose to do, but I don't have to do it and I shouldn't feel responsible and I shouldn't, you know, feel obligated to do that, uh, for someone, someone should always make the effort to go out and educate themselves, especially if they're my friend. Um, so. Cause I always find uh, it like really surprising when adults like, when they're like, well, I just don't know. Like, I just don't know what that means or what that is. It's like, you have a, you have a, you have the internet in your pocket. Like you're telling me you can't just do research on your own. Like that's, that's something that's really been like kind of a sticking point with me, especially, you know, getting through the world as like a masculine gay woman. And some of the issues that people primarily, obviously straight people like, or, you know, straight white cishet people, like the least marginalized among us are, so like allergic to Google and I don't (laughs) understand why. Um, how how much of the, like you said, you've kind of arrived to a place where you feel like you don't, where you, where you know now that you don't have to guide people through their own learning experience. How, how did that take you a long time to kind of reach that conclusion with yourself? 
and, well, and yes, has the absolutely. show affected that? Yeah, I mean, the show made me feel confident and comfortable to to stand by my identities. And, 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 and also I think the coolest thing is, is that like, so when you start for me, I didn't realize that like when you actually start like getting to know yourself and being more introspective and listening to yourself and like the 45 minutes every day, like I, the like self care and everything, like literally, um, I, I start to stand up for myself and my energy and like what I give to people and also what I'm receiving from people. Um, and so like it, takes so much of my my energy to you know explain what it's like to be a black woman um you know going through the world <laughs> it mm-hmm. takes a lot and and it, i have to evaluate constantly like is this is this something that i want to give my energy to is it worth it why am i explaining this to this uh, person is it because they're ignorant and also have not taken the the initiative to go educate themselves or you know, is it because I need them to understand so that like we can continue to be friends? Like is how, what does this friendship mean? You know what I mean? I like, yeah. I have to, you know, figure out like what it's like and uh, I mean, what, what it's worth to me. And yeah, the show has definitely like helped in terms of my confidence and, and me feeling comfortable, you know, communicating about, Hey, like this is something that I'm not really comfortable with explaining to you. Like here's some resources mm-hmm. I can give you those, but I'm not going to, you know, be vulnerable and, and have that discussion and put myself in that headspace um, in order yeah. for you to, like, be a decent human being and exist in the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, I mean, my friends are different because, like, luckily, like, we've had so many long talks. Like, my family, like, they understand me and they know um, that, like, like, they all make it super comfortable and, and um, easy for me to have those kind of conversations with them. Um, it's just now I'm meeting a lot of people um, who, <laughs> uh, like, for an example, I put up a picture uh, of me and Mama Tammy. Uh, we met, yes, that was Friday. Um, and people literally thought she was my actual, like, biological mother. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and because, like, I said, like, oh, wow, this is mom. And, um, like, that's like my sense of humor, but I guess no one gets it because I literally call all the fab five dads, but, but (laughs) that's also like a conversation was like, okay, but did you think that this person was my mom? Like, (laughs) because like, I have to think about it. Like I'm forced to be like, okay, do do these people think that, um, mom and Tammy's my mom? Because I like said, LOL mom, even though I've said that joke about, um, the fab five calling them my dad, like are they saying that because we're both black women? Um, you know, right, cause she's right. like, yeah, like I have to think about that. And that's like something that, you know, if like, Oh, you know, if you're like, if my white friend was in the room and I'd be like, yeah, that's kind of silly. Like, I hope that's not like a racist thing. Like that's something that, you know, a white person wouldn't necessarily have to think about like maybe, um, because it's not like racist if that anyways. Yeah. It's, it's a lot. And I, I choose to, uh, whether or not I decide to like extend my energy to people like that. You know, one thing from the show in terms of identities was in the beginning of the episode, you were introduced as this uh, lumberjack lesbian. And <laughs> But the interesting thing about that is, like, I think a lot of uh, queer women uh, listening or non-binary or, I mean, even, even queer men uh, can identify to feeling like you have to fit within, like, a certain box within being 
queer because it's like forced on us right away. Like I used to, for the longest time, call myself a lipstick lesbian and I never use that term now. That term is so cringy now. Yeah. It's so like dated. But at the time I was like, well, what kind of lesbian am I? I Especially, I mean, 10 ish years ago when we were coming out, it was like, it was a very different world. And it's like, it was, it was very much like there are three different kinds of lesbians and you have to pick one and then you're that forever, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, in the show, um, when we were filming anyways, I explained a little bit more about why I considered myself a lumberjack lesbian because like technically, um, based on what they showed, you know, I didn't really adhere to that, um, because I like yeah. wore crop tops and things. <clears throat> But the real reason why I I considered myself a lumberjack lesbian is because I couldn't like. First of all, one it was because I I my you know I'd been told when I was growing up that I didn't look cute um, presenting as feminine, which was great. Um, it was a good time, but like also <laughs> uh, I couldn't afford good clothes. <laughs> I I, yeah. I couldn't, and so like the only thing I really could f- afford were were grungy like torn up. Um, ripped jeans and, and terrible, you know, combat boots with holes in them. And, uh, like just my clothes looked like literally like a lumberjack, like someone who was out chopping wood for 24 hours straight. Like that's how I looked. And so I was like, I, like, here we are, I'm a lumberjack lesbian. And and so they cut out a little bit of it because that's like a little dark, but literally like I, I couldn't afford to, to, to wear anything different one. And two also like, I didn't give my, I didn't like pour myself in terms uh, into like makeup or anything like that or skincare really even because I was told when I was growing up that I didn't look good presenting feminine. So I was like, all right, not lipstick. <laughs> right. Uh, right. <laughs> you know, and, and then you start like, like sifting through all the, the labels and you're like, which one fits me the best? This one. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's definitely such a thing that, uh, I think, gets overlooked a lot is how uh, finances play into aesthetics. Absolutely. Um, oh, yeah. and, and especially, I mean, yeah, just look at the the price of like makeup or, oh, yeah. you know, the, those things like to wear it every day is a, is a financial burden and to try to find, yeah, like a, a style and... Um, Keeping you, up with like all the you know, the trendy kind of stuff is like not right. easy at all. Yeah. But yeah. Uniqlo, Uniqlo has its flannel sale every year and like, why should you suck up on, <laughs> you know, with, uh, with discounts That's what I for do. the I more find you buy. Thing I like, and I buy all of it and then I wear it for five years and then, <laughs> and then I just buy another thing. And then I, and then I repeat the process over and over again. Right. And also like, I don't know. I think that, um, we still have a long ways to go in terms of, like in the queer community, um, placing labels on people and, and, you know, adhering to, uh, what society tells us is, is acceptable in terms of being gay or being, you know, um, whatever, like for an example, um, a lot of my friends are like bisexual and there's like a lot of bi erasure and like biphobia out there. And like, that's still something that really is prevalent in, in the queer community as well. Yeah, for uh, sure. Like, it's sad. Um, But the reason why, also another reason why they don't feel comfortable is because, like, I have friends who are very queer women and they all present feminine and people don't even, like, in the gay community will be like, are you actually gay, though? You know what I mean? Like, just because of how they appear. That's so stupid. Right. Trying to, like, make someone feel like they have to prove it aesthetically when that's not the case at all. Yeah, it's... 
it sucks when we do that to each other. Like there are enough people on the outside putting queer people into boxes and labeling us. And then when you get the judgment from within the community, it like stings extra more. Or when when you mentioned on the show, like, you know, uh, other black people, like not getting that you're into Paramore, Mm -hmm. you know, you're like, come on, just like, let me like the music. Yeah. Paramore rocks. (laughs) (laughs) Paramore is amazing. And also like literally, um, after that happened, like I, all the people reaching out, they're like, I realized that black people love Paramore. Um, there's like a huge community of people of color that love Paramore. And like, that's That's great. Like amazing. I love that. And I did, I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't been so open about loving Paramore on the show, but like, I didn't know that I like literally, um, I would get bullied so much. (laughs) I would get called Oreo like so much just because of the music that I listened to, which is so silly. That Um, is. But yeah, black people love Paramore. (laughs) That's good to know. Yes. I will say I did see Paramore in concert and it was when uh, I was living in Atlanta and they were opening for No Doubt, but it was a much more diverse crowd than I expected. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's amazing. And also I'm jealous. I still have never seen Paramore live. So yeah. Get out. Well, I saw they tweeted at you, right? Yeah, they did. They did. That's pretty that amazing. Life changing, honestly. <laughs> I, I, I That's just awesome. like cried so much. Aww. Yeah, I cried so much. <laughs> oh man. Well, I we, we got to make it that happen. I don't know next time they go on we'll on tour, out. but yeah, yeah we, we if if you ever want to start a Twitter campaign to get to see Paramore, we will support you and Absolutely. get all our listeners to to rally behind and make it happen because <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> um, yes. As some of our uh, listeners might know from following my Instagram, my my wife, who has been saying like once a week for a while now that one day she's going to meet Janelle Monet, actually met Janelle Monet last week and danced on stage Ooh, with her. What? Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, it was <laughs> insane. So she manifested it, and it was because she was like telling everybody, like, "I want to meet her. How do I get to meet her? How do I get to meet her? How do I get?" And and then it freaking happened. Yeah. So, so all uh, you have to do is just tell everyone you know over and over and over again that you're going to see her more live, and it'll happen eventually. It yeah, has to. It's going to happen. Because they'll yes. be sick of you talking about it, and they'll be like, "Can someone just buy our damn concert ticket? <laughs> yeah. We're so sick of hearing about Paramore. That's what you got to do." Yes. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. Done deal easy. (laughs) Well, uh, Jess, we need to wrap up, but thank you so much for your time today. Uh, this was really, really great. I'm so excited to put this episode out. Um, do you want to let listeners know where they can follow you on social media if you want that? (laughs) Oh, uh, yeah, sure. My handles are, um, all the same. They're at Jessica. So J E S S L A Y I C A. Um, both Twitter and Instagram are the same. (laughs) Awesome. Well, great. Thank you so much, Jess. That was a lot of fun. I'm so glad we were able to make that happen with Jess. Uh, But now it is time for our listener question. So this one comes from another side of the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, This listener says, I came out three years ago as a lesbian. Before that, I dabbled bisexually in the closet. Dabbled bisexually. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Who among us? Dyke's got to dabble. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, 
So this person actually moved so they could explore more seven years ago. So they moved for pussy. Great. Um, I've I've definitely done that. (laughs) I was brought up in a close Italian Catholic family, so I felt it wasn't an option for me to come out earlier. Once my dad passed away, uh, I broke up with my boyfriend at the time, moved overseas, da-da-da-da. Okay, that was seven years ago, and I'm a very happy dyke, living my own life exactly how I want. I'm single. I'm enjoying dating. I'm figuring out what I like uh, in a woman. It's so freeing to me. However, um, it's been hard to get here, so I still let a lot of criticism slide. I feel like I'm just used to putting up with it. It's been long enough for me, but maybe not my friends and family. I have zero gay friends. My friends are very straight. Uh, they ignore my gayness, and it hurts. My family back home won't talk about it either. I've tried a few times to bring it up about how I feel or who I'm dating and the subject gets changed straight away. Mm-hmm. I realize the people around me are just not supportive. So it's been a very lonely journey, but I'm cool with my gayness. I just want everyone else to be. Is that too much to ask? No, it's not too much to ask at all. But at some point, especially with friends, I mean, you can't change who your family is. Like that's your family's your family. You're going to be around them in some way forever, whether you yeah. like it or not. But I think that kind of, for me, brings up the concept of like the chosen family sort of thing that's a very common through line with a lot of queer people and that after time, you know, we we kind of get to choose our friends even more so now um, based on how they make us feel. Like sometimes friendships have a way of sort of having a shelf life on them. And if you, if your friends are, you know, not acknowledging your queerness or your gayness or on the other end actively like you know diverting you away from talking about it then maybe they're not like the best people to be your friends anymore I don't know yeah I also wonder if you've had a conversation with them yeah like a really really frank conversation letting them know because heterosexual people are very self-absorbed just yeah. universally i'm kidding you can't i i think somebody i mean them. i thought you were serious and no. i agreed but okay. <laughs> no but but like but but it's kind of well like sometimes you know just like being cisgender like you mm-hmm. are very used to just seeing the world through that that lens. The your default perspective. So you they know. might not even realize that they're totally ignoring. I mean, it sounds like there might be some homophobia in play, but mm-hmm. what if you just call them out on it and say, hey, I feel like you're, or you make me feel invisible when I try to talk. This is a very important part of my life. Yeah. Uh, this is like who I love, how I love, and I feel like you're you're ignoring it and I want to know why. And do you think you could be more supportive? Because if you can't be supportive of this, I kind of question, especially for the friends, like I question this friendship if you can't be supportive of me in this. So yeah, direct conversation. And then also try to find new friends. I mean, you said you moved to somewhere where you might have more options to um, date more Mm -hmm. uh, people of the, the same sex or same gender. And, uh, you know, then there should be an opportunity to make more friends. Just don't yeah. be friends with your exes. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, you can't, you know, you you can kind of like start, you know, just like with rebuilding sort of any part of your life, like you kind of start small, even if you just have like one queer friend that you can go out with and stuff. But really you can nurture those friendships a lot over time. It's not going to happen overnight, but, you know, the more queer people that you meet, 
really take some time and try to actually like make those friendships work because once you have other people in your life that are supportive and cool, you're going to see, it'll probably start to be a little more clear, uh, who you, who you want to keep in your life as you progress, you know, through it. So make more queer friends, you know, do it. And, uh, don't worry about, I don't know. It's, I know it's easier said than done, but sometimes straight people just are not going to start those conversations. You're probably going to have to start it with them. Yep. So thanks for writing in. Thank you for writing in. And if you have questions, please, please, please send them in. Dykingout at gmail.com is the best way. If you've sent us a question before and we haven't answered it yet, maybe resend it if you don't mind. Mm -hmm. Uh, We might have missed some uh, in the bunch, but we're so happy to answer them. And uh, you can follow us on social media everywhere at Dyking Out. You can follow me at TGI Carolyn. And I'm at the Sarah York. And you can also go on to Patreon uh, slash Dyking Out if you want to hear our extra content or get uh, pins or temporary tattoos. Also on our merch page on our website uh, for any of you who are eyeing that uh, you can't scissor with us shirt. It is now available through T Public. So Dyking Out slash merch uh, you can find that shirt and wear awesome. it to all of your uh, summer pool hangs. Yeah, I'm only wearing it to weddings and funerals. Yes, so. that too. <laughs> we do encourage wearing our, <laughs> our clothing to weddings and funerals just to make it real clear why you're there. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks for diking out with us and dike out again next week. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Madigan from Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, the podcast that explores the world through a personal, intersectional feminist perspective. I bring you two episodes a week. Every Monday, I cover something from a wide variety of topics, covering everything from feminist faves throughout history like Audre Lorde, listener coming out stories, and other hot button topics like toxic masculinity and the Me Too movement as well as plenty feminist history, the good and the controversial. And then every Friday, I bring you a mini What's in the News episode to keep you up to date with everything that's going on today in the world. And with over 580 episodes available to you right now, there's plenty of good stuff to listen to. You can listen to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to rage on. Bye. Bye.